Good morning, everybody. Alex, you ready for the first slide there? All right. I brought my laptop, but I don't have the right hookup to, uh, to do clicks myself, so Alex is going to work with me. Who remembers this guy? It would be the older crowd. His, his, his nickname is the Rainbow Man. His real name is Roland Stewart. Um, he became famous popping up at sporting events. Uh, he was... Uh, loved the camera. He would have the t-shirt, the hair, big sign, John 316. He would pop up in the end zone of the NFL games. You'd see him behind home plate at baseball games. You would uh, uh, see him. Uh, he would just be able to find the camera at a basketball game. He was able to find the camera, and he was on TV throughout the 80s. And um, he even... Uh, went beyond the sporting uh, events. He, was, uh, he got on camera at Charles and Diana's wedding. Next slide. How about this guy? A little bit more recent. This is Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow and his uh, teammates in college uh, started writing stuff on their, on their black things uh, to, de- to deflect the, the glare. He started off with uh, Philippians 4.17, um, which I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But as that season went along, they had a very, very successful football season. He really felt the, the need to change the verse. And he wasn't sure what the verse was, but he, for some reason, before the championship game, he changed it to John 3.16. He was told after that championship game, 96 million people Googled John 3.16 from seeing that. He went on to play pro, and in one of the pro games, uh, John 3.16 hit the media again because Tim Tebow passed for 316 yards. He averaged 31.6 yards per pass in that game, and the CBS rating peaked at 31.6. So John 3.16 hit the media again and was out there in the limelight. Alex? More recently, it hit, John 3.16 was in the news again. Again with football. Um, Aaron Hernandez, actually a former teammate, teammate of Tim Tebow's, um, who played NFL, got himself into trouble, ended up in jail, and then committed suicide. And so you may have seen some of these headlines back in April, and uh, nobody knows exactly uh, why he promoted John 3.16 in the way he did with his suicide. But again, John 3.16 in the media out there um, for everybody to see. Alex? We're going to take a second watch. <clears throat> There's a whole th- section of rejected Super Bowl ads out there. Um, and this is um, one rejected Super Bowl ad, if we can get it to work. Yep, go ahead. Look at that. Look at 
ground. John 3, 16? What's that? I don't know. I've seen it before. I'll look it up. Thomas knocks him down and he helps him right back up. Johnson's going to be seeing I black in his sleep. Super Bowl ads are extremely popular, whether they actually play during the Super Bowl or whether they don't play. People search and, and look for these uh, ads all the time. And so John 3.16 just continues to keep being in the media uh, out there. Next slide. But why? Why is John 3.16 so popular? Why is it the verse that is out there and in the media, in people's attention all the time. I mean, um, I don't know. But we'll continue on. Okay. Some of you may recognize this gentleman up here, Billy Graham. Arguably uh, the most popular evangelist, uh, you know, for, for several decades. And he spoke on John 3.16, referred to it several times over his decades of preaching, but not just him. I mean, uh, it's in Sunday school lessons. It's in the church. It's, it's arguably the most popular verse that people, that people know. I, I mean, I know for myself, it was the first verse that I memorized as a young child growing up in the church. Alex? So if we want to understand, probably the best thing to do is do a little bit of background. Let's look at the book of John uh, as a whole. Alex? So who, who was the writer? Well, the writer was John. John was one of the 12 disciples. Jesus had all kinds of disciples uh, that gathered around him, followed him over his years of ministries, but there was the 12 the 12 important ones. And so he would have seen, he would have heard um, a lot of stuff that not everybody else would have because he was one of the closer ones. He was one of the tighter ones. So that qualified him uh, to know a lot of stuff and write stuff down. Who did he write it to? Well, it's interesting that he wasn't writing it to the, the Jewish people who you would maybe first think, but he actually wrote it to the non-Jewish people, people who had believed in Jesus. But you've got to remember back then there was a whole change in the belief system. And so there was a lot of partial truths and misunderstandings. And so John wanted to kind of set the record straight. He wanted to present some facts about Jesus, especially to the people who hadn't grown up believing in God, the non-Jewish people, telling them, who God was. As you can see there, the key verse in the whole book of John is found in chapter 20, verse 31. But you're going, well, wait a minute. You're talking on John 3.16 and you're saying it's so popular. Why wouldn't that be the key verse of John? Well, let's, let's read it. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's a great summary book. If you, if you have read the book of John, 
or if you'd like to, I encourage you to read it at some point, sums up the whole purpose of why. His motivation for taking the time to record those stories and put them together in a letter so that the people back then was his main focus. I'm sure he had no idea that we'd still be reading his pen words today. But that's the facts. That's the reason that he wrote that whole book. If you read the book, throughout the book of John, he emphasizes the purpose of Jesus' life. That's, that's why he wrote the book. He wanted the readers to know why Jesus was on this earth, what his purpose was. And so he recorded with as many details and facts as he thought was important from his time with Jesus. He tells about Jesus' life starting basically his, his adulthood because in the Jewish tradition, you really didn't become an official adult till you were at about the age of 30. And so he starts recording around the time that he became a disciple of Jesus, which would be his adult years up until his death and his resurrection. He picks out seven different um, miracles that he feels that he needed to highlight and emphasize of Jesus' life and then climaxed his book with the death and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, telling what he felt was the purpose of Jesus' life. Alex? <clears throat> now, we already read John 3, uh, verses 1 through 15. Thank you very much for that. But let me try and s- summarize it briefly because it's, it's the whole lead-up to John 3.16. Okay? You can't fully understand John 3.16 without knowing what was happening leading up to that. So we read, a Pharisee named Nicodemus came at night to see Jesus and have a private discussion. So a, so a Pharisee, what was a Pharisee? A Pharisee was one of the religious leaders. and was a large number of them. And the Pharisees weren't very fond of Jesus at the time. Because he was teaching a different belief system. He was gaining popularity. He was, uh, he was not one of them. And they all prided themselves on their, their education and their knowledge of the scriptures. And they knew that Jesus wasn't formally educated. Jesus was a carpenter's son. And so there were some issues there. So Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, obviously there was something going on there. Because he wanted to find out some answers. But he didn't want to probably couple things. One, he didn't necessarily want to be seen by his other fellow uh, Pharisees. And two, I think he had, he, he, he needed to find out who Jesus was. And so he wanted to approach Jesus one-on-one and find out what this Jesus guy was all about. And so he lined up a private discussion. So if you remember in the reading, the big issue is, is Jesus tells him you have to be born again. 
And the, so the question is, what's this born again all about, right? Nicodemus is thinking, you want me to be born again? I can't climb inside my mother's womb and be born again. Like, what are you talking about? I, I, I don't get it, right? But the thing was is that even though Jesus was talking physical, he was meaning spiritual. But Nicodemus wasn't making, the, wasn't making that transition. He wasn't making that connection. He was stuck in the physical. He, he was one of the top religious leaders, but he w- wasn't understanding the truth of what Jesus, he was stuck in the physical and not making that transformation that Jesus was talking about. You need to be born again spiritually, not physically. You need to believe, is what he told him, in the Son of Man and why he came to this earth if, if you want to have eternal life. And, and really, I mean, why does, you know, why would the, the Pharisees exist? Why would religion exist? It's the pursuit of eternal life. I mean, there's all kinds of people who search it out physically, right? The, the fountain of youth, right? We all focus on wanting to live longer, right? There's all kinds of people that are making money on selling people ways to live longer. But they're caught in the physical. It doesn't matter just everything that we do. Eventually, we're all going to die at some point physically, but it's a matter of your spiritual. Alex? <clears throat> so here we are, finally. John 3.16, which I said was, you know, what we were going to talk about today. And let's read it again, because I don't want to assume everybody knows it. I don't want to assume people have it memorized. So let's, let's read it here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So let's take a couple minutes and break that down. For God. What God are we talking about? We're talking about big G God, not just any little G God. We're talking about the God, the creator of heaven and earth, our master, our Lord. So loved, as we've already talked about and thought about this morning, John could have just wrote, for God loved. My boys tell me they love pizza. They don't tell me they so love pizza. Right? That two little word, so, just emphasizes the depth of God, our creator's love, that much more for each one of us. And if he so loved us, what was his response? Right? I so loved Esther, I married her. Right? There's a response. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And here, you got to remember that John 
is talking to non-Jewish people. He's emphasizing that God so loved the whole world because everybody then would have grown up with the God of the Israelites, okay? The big G God, he loves the Jewish nation, the Israelites. He wasn't a world God, really. He was just a God of the Israelites. And so this is a change, but it's a message for them then and it's a message for us now that it doesn't matter who you are, God loves you because he created you individually as a special person. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, I don't want to dig too deep into this, but it is important to know that God is complicated. And we try to explain it a little bit by saying that God is three in one. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God loved us as humans so much that he had a plan of redemption. And he sent his son, sent him from heaven, from his side, down to a sinful earth. Why? So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wow. That's so loved. Isn't it? Jesus agreed with his father to leave his side, come down, and in a complicated manner, remain fully God, but be fully human and experience all that every human experiences here on earth. He experienced physical pain. He experienced sorrow, heartache. He saw people die. He laughed. He had good times. He ate. He drank. Alex, next slide. But there's more. Don't check out on me yet just because we covered John 3.16. All right? Chapter doesn't end there. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. A lot of people have the perception that God is this cosmic killjoy. And he's just looking for us to do something wrong and to zap us, to punish us. Our small group uh, this spring listened to a funny, well, it's kind of a funny song, but it, it, it emphasizes it's a country song, I think, from the 80s. that says, God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. Every wrong thing that you do, God's going to get you for that. And it's designed as a bit of a funny song, but it's truly how a lot of people think. They see God as a punishing God, a God who just wants to make my life as miserable as possible and knock me down. Every time I take a step up, he's knocking me down again. But we have these words. If God didn't love us, if he really wanted to condemn us, 
the Bible would have ended with Noah. God flooded the world. Done. But his love for us is so much more. We've got so many more pages and we're still going. Alex, next one, please. So the verdict is, and that's exactly what... There we go. And that's exactly how verse 19 starts off. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It's true. When we do something wrong, we, won't, we don't want it exposed. We don't want it on the front page. We try and hide it. Right? It's tough when something we did wrong comes out into the light and, and people find about it. When you have to man up or woman up to what you just did. But we need to know that we're in God's sight and he, he loves us. And again, as we read before that, he's, he didn't send Jesus because he wanted to condemn us. He sent Jesus because he wanted to provide another way. He wants us redeemed back to him. And so he came up with a game plan. Next slide, please, Alex. So the issue is physical versus spiritual. Right? We talked about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was, a, like I said, one of the top religious leaders. He was deep into it. But when Jesus talked spiritual with him, he couldn't get his brain out of the physical. He had to explain to him about eternal life. Well, Nicodemus' whole teaching, I don't know how old Nicodemus was, but he, for years and years, since he was a wee boy, I'm sure he was studying the scriptures, but he hadn't grabbed a hold of the concept of how to get eternal life. And it was right there for someone who was studying the, the Old Testament, the Old Scripture. It was right there if they could transfer from the physical, the, the doing of stuff. And that's one of the Pharise- things the Pharisees were caught up on, doing stuff. Don't take too many steps. Don't touch this. Do touch that. Hundreds of rules that they were caught up in following, the physical rules. And so the big announcement that we find in John 3.16 is that eternal life just isn't for the Jewish people. God did, the Jewish people were God's chosen people, the, the people he first brought his message to, but he had to start somewhere. But he's made all of us, and so he loves the whole world. Look to your left, look to your right, look at the person in front of you. Think about your mother-in-law. God loves everybody. 
And, and, and it sounds too simple. Like, the whole thing in John 3.16 is too simple. Believe in God and have eternal life. Like, come on, really? And it is easy, but it isn't easy. Right? I mean, it's easy because God's done all the work. He sent Jesus, and Jesus paid the price on the cross, the price that we deserve to pay for our sins. Jesus paid that. And all we have to do is believe and accept that. His death, his resurrection, his price paid in full. But I get it, I understand, because I struggle with it too. The hard part is it requires us to give up control. And we don't easily give up control because it's me. I want to do this, I want to go here, I want to accomplish that. And we still will make those choices, but it's that deep down ultimate control. Who are you doing those things to please, to honor? Who is truly in control of your life? Next slide, please, Alex. <clears throat> so I'm only going to touch on it briefly. Um, but as uh, Richard said, Esther and I just got back from uh, a trip to El Salvador with Operation Christmas Child. And uh, we have lots of stories. We had a great journey there. And I'd love to share some of those with you. And, and maybe we'll go in a lot more depth um, closer to collection time in the fall um, with a, with a, a presentation. Um, but here, the, the top picture, the gentleman on your right um, is uh, Jose Victor. He's a former gang member. He is now a priest and a preacher. <clears throat> and God laid the youth upon his heart the street youth. And so he wanted to minister to them. And what's the most popular sport there? Soccer, right? So he started up some recreational soccer with some of the youth boys. Got enough boys that they created a couple teams. Got more boys, they created a league. Well, girls wanted to join too. So now they've got a girls league. Well, then the young adults. So there's a young adults, a co-ed young adults. Then God laid upon his heart, take it behind the walls of the prisons. He has a soccer league within the prison. It was interesting because he told us, he says, when I wanted permission to start up soccer inside the prison, he says it wasn't the authorities controlling the prison that I ultimately had to get permission from, I had to get permission from the gang leaders inside the prison walls. Didn't matter who the government appointed officials were. It mattered what the gang leaders inside said. Yes, you can come in. Yes, you can. And talking about boldness, I'm not sure if you can see there, but on the, on the jerseys, there's a logo. 
and is a picture of Christ carrying a cross and Juan 3.16, John 3.16. Everybody who participates in these soccer leagues, they have different colors, but everyone's got John 3.16 on their chest when they play soccer in those leagues that God's allowed him to start up. It's out there. And now, he's actually been able to partner with Samaritan's Purse, and they're supporting him along in this with different endeavors, and he came up with a a logo, and you can see part of it there on the bottom right, and he gave us all t-shirts of this logo. He's He's got a new logo for part of his partnership with Samaritan's Purse. And John 3.16 right there, big and bold. And I had a chance at the end of the presentation to, to ask him, I said, why did you choose John 3.16? Like, the Bible's full of tremendous great verses. Why did you choose John 3.16? He said, I can't really give you an answer. I just felt that that was the verse that I needed to put, put there. He says, I can't give you a deep theological answer. I just felt that that was the verse that needed to be out there, and I can't believe how many people are wearing that verse all around. Alex? So John 3.16, why is it so popular was the question we asked. Well, my conclusion, I break it down to these three points. It declares the depth of God's love for every person. It declares God's love in action through a gift. And it declares the hope available by accepting God's love gift. And I think that's why God hides that verse in our hearts. My memory skills to remember stuff were very weak as a, as a child. They're still not great because I didn't have great habits back then. But some way, somehow, I memorized that verse and it's, it's there still today. And it's out there. I mean, I don't think... I mean, I'd be open to a discussion. I can't think of any other verse that I've seen out in the media, printed in Christian literature, on T-shirts, out there as much as John 3.16, and it's because it just wraps up the great message of God's love for anybody and everybody because he made us all. So if you're here today and you'd like to talk more about that, please come see me afterwards or one of the other elders. We'd love to sit down and chat with you if you've got some questions about this. Otherwise, let's just finish in a word of prayer and, uh, and we'll continue on. Lord, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you for these encouraging words from John about how much you love the whole entire world, Lord. And I pray and I hope that anybody here that does not have a personal relationship with you, Lord, might do uh, some serious uh, thinking and contemplating and understanding about how much you love them.
We thank you for a great morning. Lord, we pray as we continue to move forward. We hope we have a great time uh, in fellowship in the, in the picnic, Lord. And may your name be honored and praised throughout this day. Amen.